Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Well, hello, Stevie. How goes it? Oh, life and times are wonderful. Life and How times. Are you? I'm well, thank you. It's getting a bit chilly. Well, it is uh, the Northern Hemisphere and it is December. I know. So, oh, what can you do? Well, at least we have Star Trek Discovery to keep us warm and company at night. I've got my Star Trek Discovery to keep me warm. Yes. Uh, and today is Stardate 1441210.2, in which we will be discussing, speaking of keeping warm, Season 4, Episode 4 of Star Trek Discovery, All is Possible. All is possible. So true. So true. Mm. Uh, first, hello to everyone listening and to the people on Patreon who can be watching this live. Yes, you can. Uh, with all the blemishes intact. <laughs> and uh, Aki's dancing. Oh, yeah. Wait. Well, when you start to talk about oh, Patreon, yes. that's when I start sure. dancing. Well, of course, you can uh, join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash setphasers. Aki dances while I do this little intro. And you can watch the podcast live on video via our Patreon. If you so wish to, you can get your audio episodes of the edited versions of the podcast ahead of schedule and we also do live live netflix watch parties kelly warrior romulan nun uh shout outs for our patrons uh hello to all of our patrons out there big big shout out to uh, kyle jaster uh christine and our new our newest member chad so a uh, big thanks to y'all and a few more patrons, uh, obviously, and we can't do them all at once. It's so excited to be here. Please join us on our Patreon. And, oh, exciting news. Exciting news, Aki. We have a new website. We have a new website. We have a new website. Setphaserspodcast.com. Um, it's pretty cool. We've like All of our episodes are up there. You can check it out. We've got some little videos up there, too. Um, yeah, and we will soon be launching uh, some merchandise. Setphaserspodcast.com. Yeah. I just heard that name, but I'm saying it with authority. <laughs> anyway, now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, there's no other. Well, we are doing a, a watch along with our Patreon fans this coming Sunday. But by the time non-Patreon folks hear this, it will have already passed. Alas, mm. but you can get on for the next one. Uh, if you sign up, which will be uh, some Sunday in January. Some Sunday in January. Uh, but uh, I don't need to sing about that. Let's talk about this episode of Star Trek Discovery, shall we? Let's run it down. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down for me? Oh. 
look what's happening. It's been a week since the mission with the co-op Milad. Everyone's kind of like getting by as best they can. Uh, Discovery's been staying in orbit over the planet of Navarre as they're working on the DMA solution. Navarre has also been fast-tracked for negotiations to rejoin the Federation over the last four days. Uh, everyone's working around the clock, but the captain, Captain Michael Burnham, has instituted some some uh, s- sort of mandatory downtime for the crew. So people are playing games and seeing each other and relaxing. This is at the behest of official, unofficial, ship's counselor, uh, Dr. Hugh Colbert. I'm not sure if he's officially the counselor, but we do get to see a bit of uh, Hugh's counseling style in this episode. But let me not get ahead of myself. Uh, yeah, everything that's been happening since the beginning of this season is still happening. Tilly is still sort of unsure what's going on. Uh, with her book is still remote. Uh, Michael is still concerned about uh, diplomacy. The Federation is still worried about uh, showing strength and reorganizing. And this uh, weird dark matter anomaly is still eating up parts of the galaxy. So far, no inhabited systems, but it could happen at any time. Into this, uh, I'm going to call it a dynamic stasis. Uh, President Rillick of the Federation asked Michael and Saru to come down to the planet Navarre because uh, the negotiations for Navarre joining the Federation are coming to a close. Nothing left to do but the paperwork. And uh, Admiral Vance, who would normally be their representative, has fallen sick with a Melindian stomach worm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. It really sounds like something you'd make up if you didn't do your homework. It and, does. Yeah. Yeah. I have a Melindian stomach worm. So Saru and Michael have been asked to show up in a diplomatic uh, capacity, have been told to, quote, remain silent, look official, and do nothing more by the president, whom we already know from episode one, sort of rubbed Michael the wrong way. They're at loggerheads, you might say. Mm. Uh, Tilly has a session with Dr. Colbert. We get to see Colbert's very smooth, very sleek, very dimly lit uh, sort of uh, session room. It's very different from like Deanna Troy's brightly lit purple cushioned. Oh, I love you know, that room. Deanna Troy's room? Yeah. Yeah, it's very nice. This very is comfy. much comfy. This Lieutenant is much Barclay more spent of a, a lot a lot of time in there. Lieutenant Barclay did a lot of things in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Uh but this is more of a cool, sleek, you know, sexy doctor's office. This is more like, you know, uh I don't know, it's spacious and wide. It's very discovery. Anyway, Tilly's in, and she's basically been talking to Culver about how the the issue she's been facing is that she's been on this fast track to be like a commander, uh, and as she's achieved some of those goals, she finds that maybe she's lacking in a desire to keep moving forward, and she needs a new challenge. Well, turns out Dr. Kolvich, who we may remember from season three, otherwise known as Glasses, mm. uh, the one who interviewed uh, all the did the psych evals on everyone when they first arrived in the future. He's asked for a Discovery crew member to come down to the Academy and do some team building work with the cadets. And Colbert suggests that Tilly goes, using her downtime to do so. And he also says, if you wouldn't mind, could you take Adira with you? Because they need to get out and make friends and stuff. Adira, not super enthusiastic about it, but uh, Gray talks him into sort of being a little cool, being, uh, embracing the adventure uh, as Gray is embracing the adventure of uh, being of one mind and body corporeal now. 
and is going to go make friends with people on the crew. Uh, so Tilly and Adira head to Starfleet Academy. They meet with Kolvich. Uh, Adira joins the cadets in the shuttlecraft. And Kolvich basically says the issue is that teamwork has been very hard to instill in these new cadets because they've all grown up so isolated in a world where the Federation was not really present and the Emerald Chain was prevalent throughout the galaxy. And so they're having they're meeting strangers and not really having this this will willingness to bond. So uh, the the mission Tilly takes these four cadets and Adira on is one to uh, a planet called Garion. They're going to check out one of its desert moons it's an m-class moon they do a full planetary survey piece of cake then they rendezvous with the uss armstrong and they head back to base and tilly's trying to get them to sort of share and interact with each other but they're very cold to each other some of them have outright animosity for each other it's not going super well uh tilly's like you know what maybe we'll just stick to our assignments for now uh and i at this point i was like well maybe this will be you know a heartwarming story of uh eventually telling tales and having tea together but just at that moment, they come out of warp. They get hit with uh, a, a sort of like a gamma ray burst that disables the whole ship and they crash into a moon. So great. <laughs> not only have they crashed into a moon, they've crashed into the wrong moon. It's not an M class moon. It's an L class moon. L is like a breathable atmosphere, but fairly toxic. Pretty inhospitable. Very inhospitable. The cadets immediately start fighting with one another. One of them is severely injured and dies before they can be, uh, they can sort of be like uh, triaged. Uh, we meet finally while they're fighting the the three remaining cadets: Val, Sasha, uh, who's a human who grew up on a colony on Titan. This is her, and this is their first time meeting non-humans. Taz Gorev, uh, who was stranded in Emerald Tain territory and has. Uh, incredible enmity for Orions and Harrell, who is an Orion and says he has to do extra work to be taken seriously. So they're really, it's like a perfect group of people who would not get along with one another. Meanwhile, on Navarre, Saru and Michael are there and there's the Federation delegation and there's the Navarre vegan. Did we discuss Navarian? Navari? We never settled on it. We said it was either Navarre or Navarians and either would be acceptable. I'm going to go with Navarians, although Navari now sounds very cool to me. Oh, but I'm going to go with Navari. Nice, yeah. Let's go with Navari then. All right. So the Federation delegation and the Navari delegation sitting across from each other. Nota Bene, President Tarina of the Navari, sends uh, some tea to Saru like, uh, mm. <laughs> like they're in a restaurant or at a bar. And someone has said a drink to somebody. It's very funny to me. But uh, Michael notes that maybe Saru has a fan. Uh, anyway, they get the meeting started. President really gets up and speaks, does her whole spiel. She's feeling very satisfied with the negotiations. President Tarina gets up and says, well, there's one final matter to discuss. We wish to add an amendment to the agreement that Navarre can have can do an immediate withdrawal from the Federation if they feel necessary, if and when, immediately, with no no repercussions or anything. And they will not accept rejoining the Federation without that measure in place to allow them to leave this this like this full prerogative to exit. Uh, Rillick feels that that is un uh, unconditional withdrawal is not acceptable, and things get very tense. And then Michael interrupts and speaks up and is able to sort of cool tempers enough that uh, President Rillick convinces everyone that they should take a short recess. 
Michael leans over to Saru and says she thinks there's something a little more involved here than just politics and that she and Saru have to get to the bottom of it when she's called away by the president. And meanwhile, our third storyline book is now in a session with Dr. Culber and they're talking about, you know, how book's entire uh, species is dead and the planet is gone. That's tough. And uh, Dr. Culber's trying to reach out. He talks about his own experiences, something called a standing funeral in which you take and embalm the body of a loved one and have them in a position uh, that represents how they live their lives. Tells a little story. It's not really reaching through the book, but it kind of does the trick. And then he says, we're going to do something different for our, our counseling session. So he starts to have book making sandalas out of uh, programmable matter, which is uh, also sort of like a Quajan, Quajanian, Quajanian. Uh oh. Uh, it's also a Quijani. Let's go. E, I like these. It's also a Quijan. Elegant. An elegant. Mm-hmm. To quote, to jump ahead, that is an elegant solution. Uh, Quijan. <laughs> uh, Quijan well rituals. And uh, I was hoping that uh, that will help Book sort of start to struggle with his grief. Uh, meanwhile, Saru uh, has a conference with Tarina. And President Serena basically says she is in, she's unable to bend uh, because she has to take into account the obligations to her people and certain parts of her delegation um, will not allow Navarre to join the Federation if the Federation is unwilling to compromise. Rillick says much the same to Michael, uh, uh, but also hints that if there is not another solution, then this will not work. And then she leaves with her staff. And Saru and Michael put their heads together and realized that they've both been told surreptitiously uh, via ambassador speak that they need to come up with a solution and fast to get this to work out because the two presidents are unable to do so uh, with their hands tied politically. Meanwhile, on the crash ship, uh, we find out that there are a bunch of life forms outside and they're gathering around and it turned out to be some sort of beast. Uh, I don't I here's what I wrote to describe the beast. It is a. Sort of a jellyfish, scorpion, uh, crawdaddy monster. It was not the most inventive, given what we've already seen. Yeah. They're like, here's a scary half subterranean ice insect that likes to eat things that give off electromagnetic pulses. So they turn everything off on the ship. And, um, oh, it's called a pyrosome. But I mean, come on, guys. And they have to shut down the gear on the ship. And the only they can't get a comms out because they have to turn the, the the electromagnetic stuff on. So Tilly suggests that they climb, they walk through this valley of ice and climb up onto a, a high ridge, and then they'll be able to use their personal communicators to connect with the USS Armstrong and hopefully get free. Also, while staying clear of these pyrosomes, uh, and they all start arguing again. And Tilly and they're like, "Well, one person, dear, volunteers to go alone because they think they'll be faster." And then other ones are like, you can go if you want. And another one says he can go. Anyway, Tilly says we're doing it together if we're doing it at all. Uh, Book is sort of not doing great in his uh, therapy session. He essentially is upset that uh, even though this is a form of the Quijan healing ritual, the Quetholum Quay. Yeah, that's right. I wrote it down. Good job. Yes. Well, I had to, <laughs> to rewind several times to try and catch it. Uh, the... Uh, you need specific sand from a specific place on Quajan, and you need to ask a certain forest for a blessing, and you need the power of the great storms of Quajan, and all the stuff that you can't do with programmable matter. And Colbert says, you know, you're right. You're totally right. You're never going to feel the relief of Quay Tholum Quay again. 
because Quajan is gone, but you need to work on this in order to be able to accept it. Uh, meanwhile, Saru uh, interrupts Tarina's meditations to have a frank conversation. They sit together and uh, Tarina uh, admits that uh, the, the Vulcan purists are trending towards isolation uh, because of how they interacted with the Federation before the burn. And they want to hold the Federation accountable in light of the DMA in case things go terribly, terribly wrong and they want to be able to pull out. Uh, and Saru says, okay, so I understand your position, where you're coming from. He also, Nota Bene, asks to learn more of uh, President Tarina's meditation practice. And Saru and Tarina uh, engage in uh, the Vulcan practice of shared mind a way uh, that adult Vulcans and children Vulcans learn to meditate uh, together meanwhile Michael has a conversation with President Rillick Uh, Michael proposes that there could be a compromise uh, acknowledges that yes it seems like East Leader is sort of bound by their delegates and they can't budge because they would lose the support of their own delegates but if the third party were to suggest a compromise dot 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 uh so uh Rillick says okay tell me what you got meanwhile 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 Tilly is hiking with the cadets up the ridge there's a uh, red lightning in the atmosphere here and they see the creatures are still hunting them even though their their em their electromagnetic stuff is off the quits. The cadets start arguing again. They're questioning Tilly's command. Adira starts to go off on their own, and then gets. This is a confusing part. Struck by the spider lightning, which causes the ice, the snow around their legs to uh, super, super quickly melt and then freeze, and then they're trapped in ice. But also the ice is cracking. They're not able to get out, and no one can get to them. And then. Uh, the Tilly has to come up with a way to to fix this, so they like throw Adira uh, like a hoop on a rope, and then they all have to team up together and pull the rope and pull Adira free, and that works. And then they have a little moment there on the ice, even though they're being hunted by a creature and there's spider lightning in the atmosphere, and they're probably all freezing to death and getting some sort of uh, asphyxiation from the atmosphere. But we learned that Taz Gorev, when he was young and in the Orion-controlled territories. Their food replicators were taken by the chain. The chain. chain. The chain. And uh, he had to watch his grandmother starve to death, and that makes him very mad. And then, uh, so he's still mad at the, and he's like, so how can I work with this Orion here? Uh, and then we also find out that the Orion's father was one of the sort of like activists who who was who worked toward uh, freeing people from the chain's overlord-like rule uh, and died as a political prisoner of the chain. And uh, and that young Haral was told by his father that Orions have a greater burden to speak out against the, the injustices that Orions or the chain specifically commit against uh, other people's. And um, like teenagers or young adolescents in a Harry Potter movie, they make up once they realize they've all come from different backgrounds and all share different experiences, traumas, and victories, uh, and that they can work together if they want to stay alive. So Tilly gets them moving towards the ridge once more. Meanwhile, Michael and Saru are able to get the two presidents back together. Saru references the history of his own people, the Kelpian and the Ba'ul, and how they disagreed and how it is even hard now still to trust the Ba'ul, but that the planet is stronger for that. And Michael mentions that, you know, I'd actually totally 
blanked on this. I like noticed it, but didn't really notice it because it's 930 years later. But President Rillick is a Cardassian and they have a history. They were like the they were like the Nazis of the Bajoran system. You were, this is a D Space hmm. Nine stuff. Yeah. But uh, now they're able to get along and coexist because they were able to get through those troubled parts of their history. And so they propose a compromise whereby there will be an independent third committee that will uh, they will act as like a citizen board that will be able to speak to all the member planets of the Federation and sort of adjudicate any disagreements or issues that come up. Uh, there's a little bit of pushback from uh, President Tarina. And then Michael says, you know what? Let me serve on the committee. I am a citizen of Navarre, having been trained and grown up on the planet formerly known as Vulcan, but trained in logic, and also a Starfleet captain and a citizen of the Federation. And she says she can be a, quote, bridge for them until they need her no longer. And the parties agree. Thus, it is an elegant solution, is what is uttered by President Tarina. Now, a few final things. Tilly and the cadets get to the bridge, to the ridge. Apparently, when they start their communicators, it's going to be a full 60 seconds before the USS Armstrong can pick it up. That's long enough for these weird uh, crustacean beasts to eat them alive. So they have to, people start, Adira basically volunteers to run off and be a distraction for those 60 seconds so that they can get the message out. But Tilly says, no, 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 no. You stay. I'm the captain. That's an order. I'll be the one to run. And so Tilly goes down on the ice and basically is chased by a big bug monster while the other kids, the cadets, are trying to call out to the USS Armstrong and also laying down suppressing fire from the ridge. But then there's another monster that pops up and is about to eat them on the ridge. And when things seem like they can't get any worse, finally the USS Armstrong calls in, beams them all out, just in a nick of time. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Kolvich comes up to uh, Tilly at the end and says, hey, you did a great job. The loss of Lieutenant Callum, that's the guy who died, uh, is pretty rough. But... Uh, Thanks, Tilly, for getting them out alive and offers her a position teaching at the academy whenever she'd like because uh, he thinks uh, she would be great there. Uh, mentions that the optimism that Discovery had that they brought from the Federation of Old was at first off-putting by all the people in the future, but now they think it's exactly what these young cadets need. Adira is happy because they made some friends for the first time in their life, I guess. Uh I kind of want to go back to Earth. That makes me think of how weird Earth was, but we can get this guy <laughs> right there. Uh, and uh, Tilly finds there's optimism in Adira being able to be so brilliant and make new friends and says that when she looks at Adira, uh, she thinks uh, that all is possible, giving us the title of this episode. The Navarians join the Federation. Michael asks about Juvini, the, the rogue co-op Malat from the last episode, whether or not she will face any justice. President Tarina says uh, Juvini has been sent to a monastic world in the Pella system where she will undergo rehabilitation under the guidance of Dr. Burnham, uh, Michael's mother. And President uh, Tarina says after that, Javini will make recompense for the crimes and the killing of the Starfleet officer, which mollifies Michael. And then, nota bene, number three. Number three or four, I'm, I'm lost track now. This is the third one. I have, there's three little moments between Saru and, and President Tarina. President Tarina then invites Saru to join her for tea. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't have sexy music for Saru yet or a sexy voice, but I'm working on one. And... Uh, 
That's when President Rillick relates to Michael when they're alone that her source for the fact that something was going to go wrong at this meeting was President Torina. And so they were they were hoping that that's why Vance pretended to be sick so they could get Michael and Saru down there and hopefully find some way to come to a, a diplomatic agreement. And uh, the president wasn't sure that it was the right move, but is glad that she chose Michael. Uh Book finally does uh, create his, whatchamacallit, it's uh, too far back in my nose, McQuay, Fulham Quay. Oh, hey, I did it. Uh, with programmable matter uh, and asks what to do next. And Culver says, when, you know, when a mandala is finished, you wipe it away. And Book basically says, is there anything you need to wipe away? And Culver's like, of course. And Book sort of offers to be an ear for Culver, should Culver need to talk in the future. And then he goes back to uh, working on his mandala. Uh, finally, Michael goes to see Tilly in, in Tilly's room where they first met all those episodes ago. And Tilly wants to go back because she realizes that, yeah, she was on that fast track for command because she really wanted to please her mother. And she's sad that her mother will never see her with her lieutenant pips. And she's realizing that maybe that wasn't the right sort of, that's not going to drive her forward now, but she believes that perspective might be valuable in a teacher. And so Tilly leaves to teach at the academy, leaves Discovery. We just got Saru back and Tilly's gone. Uh, Killer. I believe that it's Tilly that gives Adira the all is possible snow globe. Yes. My presumption. Okay. Yes. It wasn't made perfectly clear, but it was a snow globe, like the weird, awful L planet that they're on. And it says all is possible. Tilly leaves for the Academy. The end. And that is season four, episode four. Star Trek Discovery. All is possible. Now let's chat about that. Let's chat. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Yes, let's do. Let's do. What do you want to chat about? Well, I have a few things I'd like to chat about, actually. Do you? Do you yes. really? Yeah, this is a new voice. Um... <laughs> Good. I need more. I only have four, mm. so that makes five. This is my uh, the 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 Dowager Countess from from. Uh, oh, uh, Downton. <laughs> Downton Abbey. Yes, this is this is the new thing that I've been doing. It's, it's, uh, an uptight Maggie Smith. Mm. That's wonderful. Yes. Um, pajamas. 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 What's a, what's a weekend? Whatever next. Um, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> That's for our other podcast about Downton <laughs> Abbey. Uh. A couple things. First, obviously, goodbye, Tilly. I mean, I hope that this is not the end. Do you have some inside scoop? You you watch the after show. I do watch the after show. I do watch the ready room. And it was quite lovely. So you know how Mr. Will Wheaton had his own journey with parents who set him on a track to be an actor? Yes. And this was not necessarily his dream to be a teen actor and teen hunk or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So he... He interviewed Tilly and he um, had a moment with Tilly and said, I I would just like to tell you how much this moment meant to me when at the end she said, you know, I just I I thought I wanted this. I was set down this path and now I'm considering what I want to do and I just really want to feel seen. And he just he got so emotional and he was like, this is the first time in the history of Star Trek I have Mm. felt seen. And he got very, very emotional. Mm. It was a very, very cute moment. Uh, If you, you know, do watch the Star Treks and you do watch the Ready Room, I, or you don't watch the Ready Room, I highly suggest it for this particular moment. Um, but Tilly uh, slash Mary Wiseman did allude to the fact that Tilly is not gone. She's just going to be on a different path at the moment. Okay. 
As long as we don't lose Mary Wiseman. No. I think it's critical. I think it's critical. It's just, like I said, we had just gotten Saru back. And now we lose Tilly. These are, you know, there's a... I couldn't couldn't handle that. A triumvirate of, uh, you know, at the head of of Discovery for me. But, hey, whatever. Uh, Well, good. Goodbye, Tilly. I'm glad that you have a cool new thing to do. But, um, you know... In the ancient words of the of the scriptures, Tilly, it's your time. It is. It is your time, Tilly. Tilly, don't be silly. Tilly, space is wide. Yes, it is. Clearly, it gets chilly. Tilly, it's, it's your simply a fantastic the, the, my best work period of yes the story. yeah absolutely couldn't uh, agree more no yeah really uh, well, it was a wonderful yeah. tilly episode i love it the was tilly episode. i just felt like i always love tilly when she's in a captain's chair oh someone's ringing my doorbell that's a very old-fashioned doorbell i thought i thought we were home alone as did i do you have pizza arriving oh dude i gotta get my pizza dude uh let me go just go check to make sure it's not uh, anything important <laughs> Sure, I'll, I'll just I'll just hang here by myself. Incoming transmission. So, dear listener, this is Stevie, but post production, and I wanted to let you know that I <laughs> actually edited out the whole portion of what happened just there because it took Aki a good ten minutes to get rid of his very lovely guest. But if you do want to see a very embarrassing portion of me trying to fill time. Uh, doing accents and whatnot, you can join our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash setphasers to watch the whole embarrassing mess. But now we will rejoin the full conversation with myself and Aki, where I relay that to him. End transmission. Here he is. Good Lord. Well, What was she bringing you? Books? Yes, books for caroling. Oh, I thought it was, it was either boots or books. And she I was, thought she said well, shoes. Yes, she's, she brought me books, but she was also wearing a boot. Right. So when she went upstairs to use the, the lavatory, she was like, I got this boot on. Uh, so it's okay. going to take me some time. And I was like, okay, great. So anyway, that was not, no one sent me a message like someone's going to drop by with 40 Christmas books for you. So I think she just took a chance of ringing the bell. Gotcha. Well, what the heck were we saying? I have no idea. I had, that was a lot of time I had to fill. Great. What did you do? What'd you talk about? I mostly just live streamed my reaction to what was going on. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> perfect. I then, perfect. I then, so now I, I have this new uh, camera, right? And so I was trying to do an, do this, where I was trying to um, communicate with you and share the text messagey thing. So right. that was quite fun. Fantastic. Yeah. And then I thought I might uh, do my do my voices, but. Um, she was quite loud, so it was a little disruptive to my, my accent practice. How so surprising. I just persuaded. Well, uh, let's get back to our chat, let's <laughs> I do. suppose. It's like uh, a bitch for me to edit. Uh, also, this feels like an, uh, an episode where Michael and Rillick come to an understanding. Yes. Uh, maybe not a perfect understanding, but they seem to at least, you know, Rillick is reluctant to be like, yeah, you were the right person for this job, even though I wasn't cons- uh, sure. And Michael's sort of like, I would love to work better for you, but transparency is helpful for me because secrets mm. make me suspicious. Uh, we'll see if they can, if they both can 
can alter their nature somewhat to work better together in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also uh, enjoyed that we got to see Culver at work as a ship's doctor, both with mm-hmm. Tilly and Book. Counselor? A counselor, excuse me, a ship's counselor. Uh, with, yep. with his sleek new counselor room, which I thought was nice. And yes. yeah, he does great where he's like, and he relates to each patient as they need to be related to. I just think I look forward to more people coming in to talk to Dr. Hugh Culber. Uh, hmm. um, I want a Dr. Hugh Culber. Yeah. I was wondering, I feel like I thought maybe he wasn't a therapist, but he might actually in the earlier seasons have mentioned that he also has some sort of degree in in psychology or something like that too Mm. yeah so this all it all makes sense i think he did yeah he's he's right where he needs to be and then the final thing i would say as a as a note for this episode is it seems like the end of us of a mini arc within this season Mm, me with tilly well with tilly leaving with book really starting to face his uh demons uh about quajan being gone and with Michael and the president finally sort of getting on at least a, a, a constructive footing with one another. And so I feel like we've gotten to the end of a little mini arc and now we're going to get into a second arc that's maybe more about the the DMA, you know. Mm, yes. <clears throat> I loved um, Glasses. Dr. Glasses came back. Dr. Glasses. Yes, no, Dr. Glasses. Yes, doctoring. Did you think doctoring, indeed? I felt this episode very much had more of a... I mean, it did have a sort of an original TOS-type feel to the episode. It was mm-hmm. like it could mm-hmm. have been standalone, but there was a little sort of overarch, or overarching story to it, naturally, which it would do. But the we haven't had a fun away mission like that. I say fun. Yes. I mean, it was fun for us. I think it was fun for anyone who went down there. Well, I couldn't agree more. This was very... Tilly's mission was very TOS because she's... Mm. leading a group that's not working well together. They crash land on a planet. There's a monster they have to run from. And she has to sort of like make these gambles. Like she's like, we got to walk up that ridge and she's leading them. And then at the end when she's like running from the monster, that was straight out of like, I think Kirk would do, you know, he's like, no, I'll <laughs> risk myself. Oh yeah. Uh, something that incidentally president, uh, what's her tush would definitely be like, Oh no, you're reckless. You can't be a captain. Yeah. And of course she nearly gets eaten, but at the last moment gets, transported out of there of course because she's she gets beamed me up scotty i think tilly is kirk that's all i'm gonna say tilly is the new kirk tilly is the kirk of what happened to michael being kirk michael's more of a i think michael's more of a picard style captain michael's more of a Mm. more of a picard janeway less of a kirk cisco i think willing to go on an away mission does more stuff like on the ship or when they leave the ship, it's like, oh, Captain, I can't believe you're leaving the ship, you know, whereas like Kirk is Kirk was always like, yeah, I'm going down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going down there, of course. Who am I going to take my best buds? Anyway, I don't know. I guess I, I guess Tilly's got that Mariner energy. And I don't want to say Michael has Boimler energy, but Tilly seems like she inter she interacts with people, becomes quick friends with them, learns a lot about them, gets gets in the mix uh, can like be like I'm usually bubbly. Can take care of people who have bad attitudes. Michael, it takes much longer for Michael to sort of create strong emotional con, uh, you know, connections to people. Yeah, that's maybe too much analysis, but these are these are the things I think about when I sleep at night. No, that's very fair. 
I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great episode. Oh, it started fantastic. off a little bit slow, but we've seen those types of opens before with Discovery. Yeah. Yeah. I also think when they're slow, that also is what makes me feel like they were like, well, here's the state of things thus far kind of feeling at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. which makes me feel like the next episode, this one ends happily, sort of. The next one's going to end in, like, pandemonium. It resolves. Yes. We have some sort of resolution for yeah. something. Like, we're not quite halfway through right. the series, but we have a nice resolution to the to a story that right. we started at the beginning. Tilly, Navarre joining the Federation, and mm. Book sort of coping with loss. Now we can move on to Stamets freaking out about the DMA for the next six episodes or whatever. I don't think Stamets, did Stamets get a line in this episode? No line. He just showed him working. Yeah. And we also didn't really, I want to get more of Grey, like what Grey's doing. I thought maybe we were going to get some mm-hmm. of Grey interacting with the crew and stuff or whatever. But In the bar. Yeah. Did you notice, I believe we got a clip off the bar. I did. But just at the very beginning, right? Yes. Did you see who was behind the bar? I did not. There was a Ferengi behind the bar. Get out of town. Mm-hmm. I need to go bit back of, and look at that. A, bit of an Easter egg there for the DS9 fans. I hope it's mm. a descendant of Quark. Probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's wonderful. I didn't know that. I have to. I literally have to clap eyes on that. Anyway, those are my four take big pillars to take away from this episode. And, I, and not to get ahead. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But uh, So moving on to quotable moments. Quotable moments. I didn't have anything too, no, qu- too notably quotable. Notably, notably quotable. Notably, notably quotable. Um, for this episode, I think there was just something that Culber said during his uh, session with Book. And mm. he said, how long is it going to take? And he was like, a long ass time. I wrote that one down. That one's a good one. I love that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I liked uh, Tarina and Saru talking. And Tarina says, is trust an, of another's commitment to a shared goal enough despite the scars of history? And Saru says, trust is a journey. Mm. Uh, which is a fantastic, sort of encapsulates a lot of Discovery's longer arcs, like between Saru and Michael and Michael and... Uh, mirror Giorgio and and Discovery and the Federation. Anyway, yes, all these things about trust is critical, but it takes some time. Uh, of course, I love the quote. Um, I will be the bridge between you until you no longer need it. Michael to yeah, uh, President Tarina and, and Rowick. That was great. And well, I kind of enjoyed Michael saying, it appears you have a fan, Saru. And I also, I like that Saru has a fan. Nota bene. Number four. No, no t- <laughs> um, do we think is is there is there romance in the air for Saru? Is there romance in the air? I think so. I think uh, you and I, an unmatched pair, took the time to love to share. Um, I think there's a little, maybe a little romance there. Uh-huh. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's difficult to ride two veil beasts with one set of buttocks. So, indeed, it is. I wouldn't like mm-hmm. to try it. Indeed, it is. Indeed. Uh, and that's all I got. So maybe we should just start talking about next time. Let's get let's get this pony thing on the road. Pony. Let's thing? do it next time on set phasers. Yes, next time on set phasers, and this is why I think perhaps this was the end of an arc, and something crazy is going to happen because. I could not find, for all my Googling, a title for episode five of season four. 
of Star Trek Discovery. So we'll find out what it's going to be, unless you got something from the after show. Uh, no, I didn't. I think I just got the next one. No, I didn't see the title. Uh, well, we don't have a title yet, so I suspect the title might be something like The Chain is my hope, but it doesn't mm. have to be that. Whatever. Um, so anyway, next week we'll be talking about episode five of season four, and we can't wait to see what happens. So thank you very much, all you folks out there in podcast land for listening to us. We are uh, we put out new episodes every Monday. You can get them wherever podcasts are sold. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, distributed, given away, yep. downloadable. Yep. All of it. Yeah. And of course, uh, you can find us on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash set phasers. We should also have our new website up and running hopefully next week. Fingers crossed. I'm not very good at these things. The new website, you mean setphaserspodcast.com? I do. Oh, dang. Um, it's fantastic. And if you'd like to support us in our continuing mission to discover what Star Trek, but in this instance, what Discovery has in store for us, you can patronize us. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash setphasers. Well, we will be back next week with another rundown of Star Trek Discovery on set phasers. But until then, I'm Stevie Manns. And I am an elegant solution. And this has been <laughs> Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Oh, computer. End program. <laughs>